Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. Anything more than 15 and it starts getting 
uh, a little overwhelming with picks coming up all the time. Dan, with all the new options on uh, Fanball, uh, first of all, what do you guys think of the software and the, and the changeover? I mean, um, from my perspective, not just that I'm working for them, uh, but it's been really smooth with a lot of great new features and more to come. But I want to get your thoughts on this, Dan, and also uh, with the options now of four-hour and eight-hour with the four-hour having the seven-hour overnight clock, and there's also the option of uh, top three payments or the traditional classic uh, first and second. Uh, Dan, what are you doing? Well, for the most part, I'm doing the the four-hour top three. Uh, I am dabbling around in the eight-hour. I'm dabbling around in the you know the classic as well. Uh, but overall, I really like the software. I think uh, the interface is super easy. Uh, the the one thing that I'm getting used to is having relatively accurate ADP available for everybody. You know, because that used to be kind of one of my edges because the old MFL, uh, you know, it seemed very rookie-centric. So um, it kind of gave an advantage to anybody who really knew what was going on with ADP, and I think that advantage has been a little bit lessened. So, uh, I, But I am finding out that ADP is it's accurate, but it's not super current. So if you're really watching close, uh, you can find some people you can move up or some people you should move back, and uh, that's that's been giving me a little bit of an edge lately. Yeah, absolutely. You can definitely – There's also it's on the actual draft board page, the ADP, but you can go to the ADP page and then sort it by, you know, one of the last couple days. And since yep. ADP is based on drafts that have just ended, it's not based on drafts that have, you know, guys who've just been picked. It's based on when drafts end. Um, you can get a much better snapshot, but I do think that there will be because it's based on when drafts end. I think once they give out the information to all the websites, I think there will still be a little bit of an edge. Uh, Mike, what are you playing? Uh, right now I've been doing the top three, and basically both four-hour and eight-hour doesn't really matter to me. Um, the seven-hour stoppage at night is great cause for the four hours because, you know, when I get up in the morning I have a bunch of picks and I just deal with it and then go about my day. Uh, but that's basically what I've been doing. The top three – I, you know, I, I did the numbers from, you know, last year, and, and top three would be more advantageous. I put a lot more teams in the top three. I was at about 42% of my teams were top three. So, you know, to, to make uh, a return on nearly half my team seemed to be a, a good strategy. So that's basically what I've been going with. Yeah, I would have won about the same either way. Um, I had a lot of first and seconds, and I had a decent amount of thirds, but I remember looking at it, and it would have been about the same. Uh, but what I'm doing is I'm splitting between the four-hour um, top three and the four-hour classic, and I, I, I want to have my feet in both. If the eight-hour had a even a one-hour delay overnight, I think I would um, – be doing the eight hours like I always did, but I last year with the eight hour and no delay, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and it, I'd check my phone and it seemed like I'd always at least be on the clock once, and 
So it's nice to just be able to go to sleep. You know, I'm an old guy. I can go to bed at 1030 and wake up at 730 some days. And, um, you know, nothing's worse than missing a pick uh, because you slept the extra 15, 20 minutes. So that's what I've been doing. Um, Well, let's let's get into the really the toughest thing. Anybody who I've talked to about best ball so far this year, the running back position has given us all fits based on the fact that because running backs have been so successful the last two years, they're going very early. And once you get through that first three rounds, they're really, it's a lot of guesswork. So I want to start with you, Mike, on this one. What's been your main strategy so far at the running back position? And how, if any, do you change it up with different roster constructions uh, based maybe on when you pick? So my main strategy is I want to come out of the the fourth round with at least two running backs. Um, I just think that there's so much value at every other position that the teams where I've started out without picking a running back before the third or fourth round, I just don't like how they look. I don't like that weak spot at running back. Um, So basically, I mean, my roster construction is almost always the same. Two to three QBs, five running backs, seven to eight wide receivers, two to three tight ends, two Ds. Um, but I will adjust um, if I get a top four pick and I get one of the big four running backs and I get another one in the late second or early third. Um, you know, maybe I'll only go four running backs and then build everybody else up and then take a flyer on a running back late, uh, you know, like a John Kelly in the 19th round or something like that. Um and conversely, if I start out all wide receivers, there are times where I will grab a sixth running back or really load up on them in the team, grabbing guys like Clement and Blunt, um, who I think can be weekly contributors in, in basketball. So John Kelly doesn't seem to be as big of a secret as I hoped he would be. Um, real quick, <laughs> Mike, um, in the first two rounds, uh, last year, for me, DeMarco Murray was a guy I was uh, o- o- almost full fade on um, in the first two rounds. Is there just, just You don't have to explain why, but just give us a name of one or two running backs in the first two rounds that you just don't like their ADP. Uh, Devonta Freeman and that's real Joe Mixon if he's going that high. But Devonta Freeman is really the only one up there that – I have no ownership in and, and don't expect to. Dan, let's get uh, the same two questions for you. What's your overall way that you're handling the running back positions, any late sleepers, and are there any guys that you're avoiding in the first two rounds? Yeah, so for running back, um, I'm trying to grab as many of the top 14 as I can. Uh, basically, you know, right down through about Mark Ingram, I'll take as many of those as I can get. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, you know, skip An- Antonio Brown or Julio or Odell or anything like that to, to get them. But um, you know, I will prioritize them over like, you know, Keenan Allen or Michael Thomas or or something like that. They're perfectly good players, of course, but uh, you know, I, th- I think it is important to get those early running backs when you can when you have the opportunity. Um, I'm kind of opposite of Mike. I'm, I am loving Freeman right now. I think he's a first round <laughs> talent and he's hiding out at the end of the second round. So I'm, I'm, I'm loving pairing him up with uh Gurley or bell or, you know, 
something like that, which I've been able to do reasonably frequently. Yeah. Last year, I, I faded Freeman as well. Uh, you know, basically my theory on the running backs is I'll, I'll draft them in a tier. So if I, I've talked a lot about tier drafting, so I'm not going to take Kamara or Hunt over Hopkins or OBJ. OBJ maybe once or twice I've done it because I'm a little concerned about him holding out for the year and, and, and drama. Uh, but from a pure talent perspective, I'm not going to drop that tier to those running backs over those guys. Um, so that means the, the two guys that I'm, you know, Freeman, I, I don't like guys who are in committees, especially coming off years where they were super efficient. And, and Alvin Kamara helped me win a lot of money last year, but I'm a li- you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still taking a little bit of him. The guy I'm worried about is Kareem Hunt. He's going at 1-8. And, you know, I, I, if Spencer Ware is healthy, I just think that he's, you know, he's going to lose some playing time. I don't have much Christian McCaffrey, but not because of I don't want him. And I'll go against Mike as well in the sense that I like Joe Mixon in the, in the early third round. Um, he catches, he, he's, you know, they showed that they wanted him to be the guy when, before he got dinged. Um, so I'm okay with him. Uh, let's move on. I think we hit the running backs pretty good and we'll go back to them a little bit more later. But the next thing I want to talk about is roster construction and how ADP is affecting how we adjust during drafts due to either positional scarcity, like we just talked about at running back, but you can have dips and valleys in uh, in value at positions all throughout the draft. Dan, how are you finding the overall board as far as values and dips, and how has it affected your roster construction as you do drafts? Well, for the most part, uh, you know, the first five rounds, I'm trying to take basically the best players that I can, uh, you know, and I will lean a little bit more towards the running back, like I mentioned, just because the talent thins out there a little bit more quickly. But I'm really trying to get just as many targets and touches as I can pack into those five picks as, as possible. And then, you know, once we get past there, then I'll kind of take a look and see, you know, okay, what do I have? And, and uh, you know, there's kind of there's some pockets of running backs that I like, um, you know, one of them comes more towards the end of the third round. You get one of them that's more between, like, kind of in the the fifth round range, maybe early sixth round. And then there's another pocket kind of around the seventh, eighth, ninth round. And so I'll make sure that I try to have, uh, you know, most of my running backs in by that point. You know, I think by the time you get even 60 running backs deep, I mean, you're, you're really scratching. Um, so I want to, you know, I want to, Basically, by the time we get 40 running backs deep in the draft, I want to have four of them. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Mike, let's go over to the quarterback position. I think what we'll do is we'll go position by position. Uh, give us your strategy, where you're seeing pockets of value, and where you're seeing, you know, just kind of a drop-off. Uh, so, Mike, why don't, you, why don't you do the quarterback position? Sure. Um, so, I mean, last year I, I kind of learned a brutal lesson – due to just no one I like being in that late third to early fourth round position. I ended up about 30% on Aaron Rodgers, and that didn't work. Um, 
And this year I'm seeing that you're, you're seeing quarterbacks mostly drop to the eighth round, just about everybody, with the exception of a few top guys. And that's really how I'm approaching it. I really want to take two in that eighth to tenth round, um, which is going to give me kind of two top 12 guys at not a lot of draft capital. Um, you know, one of my favorite things to do so far this year is take uh, Cam Newton when he falls into the eighth yeah. because he is the, the king of the spiked week and pair him with a, a Stafford or a Rivers, you know, someone who's a consistent 300-point guy, going to give you a high floor. And I think that's a great pairing. You know, the Stafford or Rivers will give you your 20 points most weeks, and Newton will give you that 35 to 40-point week every once in a while. Um, and it's not a lot of draft capital. I'm not reaching. I'm not giving up anything. Uh, I'm not missing out on anyone that I would want to be taking in that range. And just because quarterbacks are slipping and you can get a, a good QB in the 10th or the 11th, um, I think that's the optimal strategy as opposed to reaching for a Brady or a Wilson or a Deshaun Watson in the fifth. Yeah, and, and, and Rodgers has gone well before then. Um, if he drops to the fifth, I've taken him. And that's where I want to get my ownership on Wilson and Rodgers when they drop around. I'm not really – and Brady. Those three got like I got Tom Brady in the seventh round recently and once in the late sixth round. I mean, I'm perfectly content to, re, you know, to mix up my lineups and take an early quarterback if I'm getting a round, round and a half value on him. Other than that, I'm Cam Newton. I think all three of us are on board with Cam I've spoken on these pods already about uh, getting that high-variance quarterback. Cam certainly is that. And then I'm not as dogmatic about getting someone in the 10th round. Uh, To me, you know, I don't mind going a little deeper. There's Dak. There's Mariota. I'm really big on Patrick Mahomes. I just think that he – you know, if you get a stable guy like Garoppolo the first time or Stafford – I think you get that Cam Newton kick out of a guy like Mahomes, who I think is going to have some really big weeks. And then you got Ryan, Winston, and then for me, that group ends at Derek Carr. And he's at an ADP of 142, which is the end of the 12th round. So uh, most of my drafts I'm getting to between the 8th and the 12th, unless I get a drop down. Um, And if I miss on Carr... Dalton's the guy that I'm kind of substituting where I don't feel I need to uh, get a third. Dan, what's your quarterback strategy this year? Well, I got I got pretty burned by the early quarterbacks as well, so I've been staying away from them. Uh, Newton is about as early as I'm going. Newton or Breeze in the eighth round when they drop there, I'm, I'm willing to take them at that point. Um Deshaun Watson, I got to say, his ADP just mystifies me. I do not understand. I mean, I know the guy was just lit on fire for four or five weeks, but, I mean, it was so clear that that was an unsustainable pace, and everybody is drafting him like he's going to absolutely be another Russell Wilson or, you know, and I just think it's way too early to say that. We don't know. Um, and I'm not going to pay that price to find out. Um, yeah, I, I do like a lot of what you were saying there, Todd, and I, I'm – I'm right in the same ballpark as well as I'm willing to drop down and take my variance out of uh, Mahomes or Mariota. If I can't get Newton, then um, I'm going to wait a little bit more on quarterback. I'm going to grab one of those, you know, 
10th, 11th round guys, and then I'm going to, in the 12th round, take Mariota or Mahomes. Or if I really need to drop down, I like Dalton as well, and I also like Case Keenum. I think the uh, Broncos are going to be a force to be reckoned with this year with a real quarterback. Yeah, it'll be interesting with Keenum. I'm on the fence with him. I don't hate him, but he's Case Keenum. So uh, if I'm going to get him as my second quarterback, I'm going to probably want a third one. Uh, but I could also see the case where maybe that won't be necessary. Guys I'm fading are Carson Wentz. Pretty much all the guys who came out of nowhere last year, Watson, Wentz, and Goff. Um, not that I'm you know down on them, but I just think that there's guys who've done it a lot longer who I can get for better values later. Um, so I'm not really putting a lot of draft capital into them. Um Mike, Dan already covered his thoughts on the running back, so I, I jumped over to quarterback. Let's jump back and get your thoughts on the running backs. Well, for me, it's, it's very similar to Dan. I, you know, I've got that kind of mentality of, of coming out of the third or fourth round with at least two. Um, you know, I actually love Kareem Hunt. Uh, I'm much more skeptical of Al, Alvin Kamara. I've written multiple times on Twitter that there's really only two ways for Kamara's trajectory to go. Either he's the most efficient player in the history of the NFL or he regresses, and I'm going to go with B. Um, so he is, for me, someone I'm, you know, if I get a pick at like 1-8 and he's there, I will take him, but that's about as early as I'll go. Um, the big four, Brown, Hopkins, and Hunt, for me, are all above Kamara. Um but other than that, I, I'm really just kind of stockpiling them early. Um, I don't see a lot of guys late who are going to do much other than the occasional spiked week. Um, and we'll touch on some of those names later. But I, I think this is a year where, at least right now, before the draft, um, I want running backs who I know are getting touches, who I know are getting catches. And it's hard to find that after the first few rounds. Yeah, I, I you know obviously that's the wise way to go. Um, if someone has the gu- the guts to go zero RB right now, God bless you. I mean, if if it works out, you know you're gonna kill everybody. Um, I'm gonna throw out a name of a value that I, I got. You know, I I started watching tape last year and I've done pretty well. Um, last year identifying some guys. This year I really like Nick Chubb. I'm getting him in the fifth and sixth round. And I think that he, you know, yeah, he might be a two-down guy, but he can block. And that means that they won't necessarily have to take him off the field. And, you know, he could end up, you know, they're talking about him as a late first, early second. I think I don't see him making it out of the first round personally, which means that he could end up on a very good team. I like him. His partner in crime, Sony Michelle, I'm starting to draft a little. Um, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, uh, I've stack-cuffed them a little bit. I've heard uh, Evan uh, does the same. Isaiah Crowell was a guy I thought was way overpriced last year, and I know the Jets have signed literally every running back in creation, but he (laughs) should be the lead guy there. And in the 10th round, I think he's a solid pick. And uh, Donta Foreman, I mean, I I just – 
I wish I, I have a good bit, and I wish I had more. Um, let's move over to the wide receiver position. Uh, unless Dan, you have any last thoughts on running back, and if not, yeah, take I, I do have. Your... I I have one question for you guys. Saquon Barkley at the end of the first round. Are you taking him there or no? I'm underweight. I want I want a little bit, but I'm underweight. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, the same. How about you, Mike? I'm the exact same. I'm underweight. Um, it's one of those things where I've made the effort to grab him a few times, but most of the time, um, if it's some, if it comes down to like him and Melvin Gordon, I'm taking Melvin Gordon. I know what he's going to do. I know what where he's playing. I know his role, and right. I want that stability at the end of the first round. We don't know where Saquon's going. Rumors are he's going to Cleveland. That'll put him with Hyde and with Johnson. Uh, I mean, that would be the worst case scenario for his values. And yeah, there's to no me, it seems value there. Yeah, to me it seems like we're just you know he's at his peak value right now. He's got nowhere to go but down. I mean, you're not going to vault him over Hunter Kamara or Johnson or Elliott or Bell or Gurley. I mean, he's not going up any further. So the only place he has to go is down. I will. I'll jump in and just say that I think he's ending up in Tampa. And if he does, he's going to have a really good year. I mean, if you could go back two years from now and look at um, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, he was going a little later than Barkley. I, I think even kind of close to the end of the second before he ended up in Dallas. And I agree yep. with you in principle, Dan, that he's going close to the top of his value. Um, but me being underweight, you know, let, you know let's say 8.5% is even weight, me being around 5% on Barkley, um, even, you know, right around the 8% if I end up even weight, I'm not going to kick myself because, I, you know, if we end up that he ends up somewhere bad, well, his ADP will drop, and, and I, I, I'm not too exposed. And if he ends up somewhere great, um, you know, he, he's, a, he, he's a generational back. I know people throw that term around, but uh, – you know he's pretty special, so I, I I just don't want to be stupid and have a lot of them, but I right. don't want to get caught where if he ends up being a top three back, because let's face it, you know we all think we know who the top three backs are, but we thought we knew that last year and Todd Gurley wasn't one of them. So you know I I there's an that's one of the things that I've learned, and it ties to something that Dan said about I want the best players. I want the best players, but I also want to be cognizant in the first five rounds that being overweight on a guy there, you know, is good. But in the first round, I just don't want an injury to kill me. And so if I'm passing on Barkley every time, and let's say Gordon, I end up with double the Gordon that I normally would, and then Gordon goes down, and Barkley has a big year, I'm I'm well behind the eight ball. So I, I went a little long there, but uh, Dan, so you can give me one last thought on that and then transition us to wide receiver. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you, Todd. I I totally agree. I think it's good to have some Barkley now just, you know, to, to kind of keep up so you're not scrambling around later if you need to get more. Uh, but I also don't want to be overweight because I don't want to be 
uh, at a point where I've just got a whole bunch of drafts where I was going, oh, man, I could have got him in the fourth round after he went to Cleveland or something. Well, one you know? sec. So. I, I, I just want to jump in and say, if there was a wide receiver, like I like Michael, like if there was another running back I like a lot better than Barkley or two or three, that would be one thing. But the only guys I really like more in that area are like the Michael Thomas, Julio, and if you go double wide receiver that late in the first round, you're, you're really scrambling at running back. So um, I don't mind doing that in a couple drafts, but I don't want to do it in a lot. Right. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And that that that's kind of how I'm approaching wide receiver too. I you know if I'm at the end of the first round, I I want to get a running back with uh, either my first or second round pick, um, and then. And then I can kind of take it from there. You know, there's there's some running backs that uh, you know sometimes make it to the end of the uh, end of the third round. You know, Kenyon Drake doesn't bother me too much. Um, I can get some guys at the end of the fifth. You know, like sometimes uh, you know you can get Alex Collins around there. Tevin Coleman's almost always available there. You know, so there's some there's kind of some go-to guys that I'm hitting as I'm is I'm kind of coming down when I'm drafting at the end of the draft. But um, a lot of times I'm finding the wide receiver values. You know, if I'm just kind of mixing up the running backs and wide receivers, I'm getting a lot of really good receivers in there too. Good. Um, how are you handling wide receiver later in the, you know, overall later, middle? Um, any th- any other thoughts on wide receiver before I go to Mike? Yeah, I mean, it's just it, – you know, wide receiver is so deep. There's just a lot of guys, you know, that uh, that can put up, you know, at least several good weeks for you. Um, you know, so I'm I'm more inclined to kind of, you know, sort of pick at wide receiver as the draft goes along. And they're they're kind of my well, I I don't really see any compelling value at running back. I don't really see any compelling value at tight end. I don't need a quarterback yet. So I'm going wide receiver. You know, it's kind of the way it goes. They're sort of my fallback default pick. You know, if I can't find anything else I like, there's always a wide receiver right around that spot that I'm going to I'm gonna like. Yep. Mike, what's your overall wide receiver's thoughts and strategies so far this year? It, it's kind of funny Dan just said that because that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, as an exercise, I took the top 300 players by ADT and um, identified what round I'd be comfortable taking them in. So – you know, if you someone like Alex Collins, for me, I'm, I wouldn't take him before the seventh. I just don't personally have that much faith in him this year. Um, but in doing that, I realized that there was not a single round where there wasn't a wide receiver I was happy to take. Um, so what my strategy is, is is basically what Dan just said. I look at the other positions. Is there a running back, a QB, a tight end here I need um, that I want? Are there any needs for me? If not, I'll go wide receiver. Um, I, my typical team has seven or eight. Um, I never have less than seven. I've never have more than eight. Um, and they basically, I pick them up when there's no one better. Uh, if there's no running back that stands out or in the early rounds or later on with QBs or tight ends, as Dan said, there's always a receiver. Um, and the nature of the volatility of wide receiver plays perfectly for best ball. You get seven, you know, you're always going to get spiked weeks out of somebody, and it works beautifully. Um, you know, I have a lot of the guys I like in the mid-rounds, the late rounds. Um, so, I mean, basically, my strategy is just go about building the other positions, and the wide receivers will be there. 
Yeah, that that's good. I like that. That's that's definitely reasonable. Um, my wide receiver thoughts and my tight end thoughts are kind of tied together, so I'll give a quick view on wide receiver, <clears throat> segue into tight end. I'm a big three tight end guy. I, you know, I'm, once in a while I'll go with two if I get two, go, you know, two top ten, top really more like top six, seven. Um, but I, just like, um, just like quarterback. I'm very rarely going to take the Kels, Gronk, or Ertz unless they drop a round, round and a half, just because there's a lot of tight ends that I feel really good about. Uh, starting in about the, you know, I, I like Olsen, and Hunter Henry is a guy I like. And, you know, I'll try and get my first one around the eighth round. And last year I could always get a tight end that I liked toward the end of the draft. I had a lot of Charles Clay there was there always seemed to be a tight, you know one of the rookies was always in the 15th 16th 17th round I, I could always get that third tight end this year I'm finding that the tight ends really hit a valley um, after say the 13th 14th round you know I mean you could you could take Austin Hooper but really after Jared Cook who I who's one of my most owned players so far and he's going in the late 13th. So a lot of my drafts, I'm taking three tight ends before the 13th round, and how it ties to my wide receiver thoughts is I'm finding wide, you know, that big best ball type, you know, long touchdown guy. There's plenty of guys in that 15th to 20th round. So as long as I got four or five wide receivers coming out of say the 13th round. I'm I'm very you know if I've got five wide receivers and four or five running backs, I'm going to take my two quarterbacks, my three tight ends, and then just get my last two wide receivers at the end, uh, because that's where I'm seeing most of the value at the end of the draft. So that's the 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 main thing I wanted to talk about was how valleys at the end of the draft can really affect what I do in the middle of the draft. Dan, your thoughts on that and also on the tight end position. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think there's a ton of value to just periodically, you know, taking a look at ADP and just kind of, uh, you know, sitting down as an exercise like what Mike was talking about and figuring out who are you comfortable taking in this round um, and build it backwards. Start at the 20th, 19th, 18th, so forth like that, and just kind of build your way on up. Uh, so you can see, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't need to panic on wide receiver. I don't need to panic on uh, on defense. I don't, you know, you, you know what you can get. You know, oh, okay, if I still need a quarterback in the 15th round, Case Keenum and Andy Dalton are going to be there for me, you know, things like that. Um, and that really kind of brings me into the, the tight end because I see I see a pretty big drop-off after the uh, – the first nine tight ends, I mean, you got Kelsey, Grant, and Ertz, you know, are your top three. And then you've got Ingram through Rudolph. And then when you start hitting Jack Doyle, I start having questions. Um, you know, Doyle's now all of a sudden got to compete with Ebron, and Jordan Reed can't stay healthy. Um, you know, Trey Burton looks great, but he's on a new team. I mean, I've been trying to get definitely some of Burton, but, um, you know, there's question marks about everybody. So I really want to make sure I have one tight end through those top nine. Um, you know, I want to get one by the time Rudolph goes off the board, basically. 
and then I'll go in and I'll pick up one, you know, one other guy. Uh, but you know, if I'm really killing it at the other positions and I don't get a tight end before Rudolph goes off the board, sometimes I'll just, I'll completely sandbag it and I'll say, you know what, I'm going total late round tight end. I don't care. It's only one position. You know, the, the win rates on tight end are never that high and they're never that low. So, you know, I'll just grab three late round guys and just say, screw it. Yeah, that's that's interesting, um, Mike. What are your thoughts on uh, on tight end? So I, I kind of have that a similar philosophy to Dan in terms of I want one before Rudolph. One thing I do want to bring up is you mentioned Kelsey, and so I'm a I'm a Kelsey fan, and and I'll explain why very briefly. Um, 2016, he had 85 catches for 1125 and four 223 points. Last year, 83 catches, 1038 and eight. 233 points. So if you look at that and his ADP, when he's falling into the mid to late third, he's those numbers are going to outperform a lot of the wide receivers that you're going to find there. Cook, Hilton, probably Baldwin. So not only are you getting actually better performance out of Kelsey than you would out of some of these wide receivers, you're getting it at a more difficult position, which is going to give you a weekly advantage. So I have no problem taking him there if for no other reason than the absolute production, let alone the tight end position scarcity. Um, But that's just my Kelsey argument. Beyond Kelsey, I do want someone ahead of um, Doyle and and all of them. I want to be in in the Rudolph and above group. Um, You know, somebody put out recently that no team ever had two tight ends, you know, with more than 10% targets. And that's what you're seeing with, um, you know, Doyle and Ebron and now Great and Howard. Um, I'm actually very optimistic on Bright. I don't think you give someone that kind of money without an intention to use them. Um, but he's typically someone I'm targeting as my tight end too. Um, ideally what I'm doing is going with an, or a good tight end. If I can get Kelsey, I'll take Kelsey um, and then grab maybe a Bright. And then late, I'm, I'm a big fan of Ben Watson in New Orleans. If they don't bring someone in, uh, we saw last year he can still play. That's a team that uses the tight end a lot. Uh, he could easily be a 60-catch, 700-yard, six-touchdown guy who's going in about the 16th right now. Yeah, 100% I, agree. I, 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 yeah, I, I think his ADP is going to start rising. Um, but I just, I just had a Kels draft, and I put him with Watson, and I'm done at the position. Um, so, you know, I like Kels, and Dan kind of hit on that whole thing about tight end win rates are never that great. And that's real. It's to me. It's not that I don't like Kels and I don't like Ertz, and I'll take them when they fall around. But at ADP, I'm looking for that 25 percent, 30 percent guy, and and you know 20 to 30 percent guy. And that has always been either a running back or a wide receiver. So I'm avoiding those big tight ends more out of that than anything else. Um, let's segue over. I'm going to cover defense real quick. It's, you know, I've talked about it. Um, and you guys can, you know, we'll do, we'll probably do a whole episode on defense, you know, never draft one early. I don't care how tempting they look. And, you know, I'm starting around the 17th round. I'm doing some two drafts, some three drafts with, uh, defense. And, the, you know, I hate to throw this name out there because I've been able to get them in almost every draft, but I'm huge, 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 huge on Tennessee this year. Um, they were a pretty good young defense to begin with. 
they got Malcolm Butler in free agency, and then Dean Pease came over from Baltimore. I'm just a big, big believer that these defensive coordinators who have, you know, historically had defenses that are great scoring defenses, they go to new places, and what do they do? They they ha- they score a lot of points, and I mean, I'm getting them in the late 18th round, the 19th round. I'm loving Tennessee, Dan. Um, what are your thoughts? Just give us a name or two on defense before we move on. All right. Well, I was a year early on Tennessee. I had so much Tennessee last year. <laughs> they were one of my, my go-tos. But I really like uh, the 49ers. If you're talking about a really late defense that you can a lot of times grab in the 19th, 20th round, uh, you know, the 49ers fit the bill to me because once Garoppolo came on board, you look at what the 49ers defense started doing, and they started putting up some points because all of a sudden San Francisco is in these games and they're not, uh, you know, they're actually facing some passes late in the game where uh, quarterbacks are actually, you know, the the opposing quarterback is having to to try to throw to get back into the game or to win the game, and uh, that's when they start making mistakes. So um, you get more 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 sacks, you know, more pressures, more. Uh, more interceptions, all that kind of stuff uh, happened late in the game. So, you know, I think with uh, a full season of Garoppolo, uh, you know, the 49ers defense is probably going to look a little bit better. All right, Mike, uh, go for it. I just, I mean, my top five in terms of ownership are Dallas, Arizona, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and Chicago. Um, I like the composition. I like one of the biggest things I look for is sack, um, you know, Sacks tend to be very, somewhat constant year over year, whereas interceptions and TDs tend to, to fluctuate greatly. So I want a team that can get after the quarterback. And, and those are teams that all had solid top half stack totals last year. Those are five spots I like. You can get them relatively late. Um, you know, there are other teams that I'm, I'm happy to, to dabble in, Detroit, uh, Carolina. But, you know, for the most part for me for defense, I just want to get two, maybe three, if my draft's done really well and I have an extra spot, I'll take a third. Um, you know, it's real hard to win or lose with defense unless you're taking them in the eighth round, which I've seen a lot, sadly. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just want to get two or three that have solid players, good schemes, good coaches that I feel like can, you know, weeks and that's about it. I, I really put not as much thought into it as, as I should. Which makes me so happy because I put a lot of thought into it. I'll throw, <laughs> and and that's not you know, and I, and 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 that's exactly why I do because even smart people don't put a lot of time into defense. So uh, we'll talk about that more. Maybe we'll get you on one of my, uh, you know, just uh, like do an after party show and get you guys back on uh, to, to discuss some of these points in greater detail. But time's running short. I'm gonna throw out one more name. Um, it's also based off of my defensive coordinator theory. Um, Mike Pettin, who wasn't a great head coach, but he was a really good defensive coordinator, goes to a talented but un- underperforming defense in Green Bay. Um, and then, you, you know, you got the fact that Aaron Rodgers is on the other side. Um, you know, that could be a defense that could be in a position to get a lot of pick sixes late in the game trying to catch up to what Aaron Rodgers did, and they signed Mo Wilkerson. Um, I think, you know, you want a defense that you can get in every 20th round. I think the Packers are uh, an interesting one. 
So we've got about five, ten minutes left. What I want to do is go through each segment of the draft and have each one of you give me a guy that you just love his value and hate his value. Uh, even though we did a little bit of this before, Dan, give us your first three rounds. Who's your number one guy that you just love his value? And give us the guy who um, you just can't believe that he's being drafted that early. Well, I don't know that there's anybody I would say I just can't believe is being drafted that early in the first three rounds. But um, fair enough. You know, I, <laughs> honestly, the guy I probably have the the most concern about would be uh, Saquon Barkley. Um, but as far as as players I'm really loving, I mean, you know, Mike Evans, I think is a, you know, a first round player and he's hiding out at the end of the second, sometimes even into the early third. And he's a guy that I'll grab pretty much any time that I can. Uh, Devonta Freeman, I already talked about, you know, is he going to, you know, is he going to be, uh, you know, the number one RB? Probably not, but he could definitely be a top six RB very, very easily. So, uh, you know, I think he presents a tremendous value and some tremendous safety there. Mike, how about you? Um, so for me, the one guy that I don't understand how he's in the top three still, and this may adjust, is Brandon Cook. I think that trade was terrible for him. Um, I think all those I think him, Woods, and Cook are going to end up with very similar numbers. And Woods and Cook are both going in around the sixth. Cook is still going in the third. And so for me, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Um, in regards to a guy that I love, uh, for me, my most owned players, I've got him in 29.4% of leagues. It's Mark Ingram. Um, he's going late second, sometimes early third. Yeah. And his numbers last year were unreal. And I, I just don't know what else the guy can do to show that he's a, a great player. I, I, I literally don't know what else he can do. Um, so that is a guy who, you know, as I said, I have him in uh, something like, yeah, 10 out of thir- ten out of 43 leagues right now. Um, very happy and with who, that. And who are you fading? Um, in regards to people I'm fading, Brandon Cooks, T.Y. Hilton. Oh, you did that already. Uh, all right, let me throw mine out there because we got to get a move on on this. Sorry, guys. Um, the, the guy that I love, I, I like Mike Evans, but I like A.J. Green even more. Um, I, Mike Evans just, I mean, I, I want Mike Evans too. Don't get me wrong. It's close between them. But A.J. Green was a early first-round pick last year, you know, right in the middle, five to seven range. And they had just horrible offensive line problems. They've already gotten Cordy Glenn. So I like A.J. Green. And the guy I can't believe is still dipping into the third round is Derrick Henry. Um, Dan, why don't you take the next grouping that we're going to do, which is the fourth to eighth round? Okay. Um, so there, I, you know, my, my Broncos love is going to come to the fore because I think uh, Demarius Thomas and um, Emmanuel Sanders are both still undervalued. Um, they're going to finally have a good quarterback thrown to them again, which they haven't had for a couple of years. And, you know, I, I think that there's a ton of talent there. And, and what I really like is Denver really tends to have a very narrow passing tree. So uh, a ton of targets end up getting funneled to Thomas and Sanders. So those are two big ones of mine. I also like uh, Devin Funchess a lot. Uh, 
you know, he's somebody you can grab at the end of the fifth, even into the sixth round. And I mean, wow, you know, this is a this is a starting wide receiver with Cam Newton for his quarterback. Um, who else is catching the ball there? Christian McCaffrey and and uh, Greg Olson and. You know, beyond that, it gets pretty sketchy pretty quick. So, you know, he's one of the top three targets right there. So, again, you know, I think he's just getting a ton of targets fed to him, and he's a big guy, so he's going to come down with some touchdowns. Um, As Um, far as who I'm fading, um, I fade him every year, and every year it ends up costing me. But Jarvis Landry, I just cannot draft the guy. I just can't do it. I don't know why. You know, this year I was all set to draft him, and then they – put him on Cleveland with uh, Josh Gordon and, you know, so many different targets. And I I just, I don't know where his volume's coming from. Uh, Mike. For me, one guy, Marvin Jones. Um, great numbers. He's going in the fifth with the sixth. You know, 61 catches for 1,100 yards and nine TDs. I mean, what else do you want? The guy's in number one. Um, and I'm happy to take him in the fifth and the sixth all day. Crabtree's another one who is going to get a ton of targets and end zone looks in the, in Baltimore. Um, and in terms of who I'm fading, uh, Jimmy Graham just looked done last year and I don't want to take a TV dependent guy in the sixth round. You know, I just can't do that. For me, there's so many guys I like in this range. It, it, it really is. It, it's a shame. I can't draft more. Um, I like Sammy Watkins in the seventh round, probably as much as any of them. And I've explained on other pods why. Um, the guy that I'm fading the most in this, um, and shout out to Joe Pano uh, for giving me the reasons why. He was Mr. Chris Thompson last year. But you got a back who they've shown they only want to give a few touches to, and he's going in the top six rounds. No thank you. Um, let's go to the next uh, grouping. And that is round nine to thirteen. Mike, we're going to let you go first on this one. Uh, for me, it's the, the quarterbacks I mentioned before: Rivers and Stafford. I'm really loving uh, Jordan Reed. Uh, I know the risk, but in the eleventh round, he's a top three tight end when he's healthy. Um, and we know Alex Smith can can work with a good athletic tight end. We've seen it with Kelsey. So I'm more than happy to grab Reed at ADP. And the other two guys, Cameron Brait, who I mentioned before, and I love Giovanni Bernard. Uh, it's tied to the fact that I don't, I'm not overwhelmed with Joe Mixon. I think Bernard's still going to have a really good role. Uh, he's going to be a, a running back that's going to get you uh, carries and catches, and he's going consistently in the 12th. And so I'm loving that. Um, in regards to people I'm fading, the whole Jacksonville wide receiver core is going in that area, and I have no idea. Great, great call-out. Great call-out. It's a, it's a low-volume environment. There's not that many passes. They've built up the offensive line more. They want to run Fournette. And, and there's 6,000 of them. Yeah, <laughs> Lee, Moncrief, Westbrook, Cole, uh, ASJ. I, I just I want no part of it. So uh, I'm saving that entire team passing game. I don't. I don't mind ASJ. Uh, you know, he's going late 13th. I've, he, you know, he doesn't have the competition that, you know, these other guys do. Um, for me, I, you know, you guys mentioned some great guys there. Um, I won't add to that. I've already talked about Dante Foreman. Uh, my love for him is uh, is, is pure. 
Uh, I didn't like his tape last year, but uh, he showed me wrong um, on the field, and that's what counts. Um, I'll throw out the New England running backs in this area. Um, they're all okay, but James White, you know, they just don't use him during the season. They use him more in the playoffs. I'm just not going to be taking James White. All right, let's move on to the rest of the draft. Uh, let's just get it all over with. Give us a couple guys you really like, Dan, and a couple guys that you're, you know, I, we don't even have to do fades at, at the end of the draft. Give us, give us your favorites. Okay. Yeah, um, getting into that ninth, ninth through 13th, um, I, I really like Randall Cobb. Uh, oh, I, I didn't to get throw you him the out there. to the 13th? Yeah, Sorry about that's that. fine. I, Go ahead. Cobb Do is that really the, he, he's the one guy, you know, he's on a great offense. He's got a great uh, quarterback, you know. Um, Nelson's gone. What more do you need to say? I mean, he, can, he, he should have some spike weeks. Uh, yeah. 14th plus. Um, you know, Cam Meredith, he, he's a guy that, you know, now is a Saint want him, you know, or is he going to be a Saint? Is he going to be a Chicago Bear? I don't know. And, you know, at a, a 14th or 15th or 16th round price, I, I don't even care. Um, just give me some Meredith, and I know he's a good player, and I'll go from there. Uh, Latavius Murray is another one that I just really love. I mean, I'm a Minnesota guy, so, you know, I've gotten to, to watch him. I mean, he's not a spectacular back, but you know what, he, when you had uh, Murray and McKinnon after Cook went down, McKinnon was getting all the work in the first few games, and then they slowly started switching over to Murray, and by the end of the season, Murray was getting even more, as much or more work than uh, McKinnon. And Zimmer just really likes him, so I like him too for that reason. And then Case Mike. Keenum, I think if you're looking for a great uh, late-round quarterback, he's your guy. Mike, give us your, your last couple. Uh, so for me, I agree with Latavius Murray. He's the guy I'm high on. Um, and, and then there's a bunch of guys that are my most owned guys. They're all over 30%. Uh, Corey Clement, LeGarrette Blunt, uh, John Kelly, and Ben Watson. And my most owned guy is Albert Wilson, who's now in Miami. Uh, there's a lot of targets up for grabs with Landry gone. Uh, Devontae Parker's underwhelmed. And I think Albert Wilson, who quietly was in the top 30 of PFF grade for wide receivers last year, is going to do some good stuff. And getting him in the 17th, 18th round, I, I think there's nothing but upside. So he is my, my kind of wide receiver flyer with Clement and with Garrett and Kelly as my running back flyers. I mean, remember, someone's got to do short yardage in Detroit and – Lunt has a habit of being very good at falling into the end zone. So, you know, as a late round That's pick. That's all you need, right? Yep. He falls in once or twice a week, and you have a great, great late round running back. Yeah, I like Kelly at running back. I, um, The guy that I'm thinking of for falling into the end zone more, though, is Jeremy Hill. He's a guy who has shown to be not that great at many things, but <laughs> Even in his bad years, he put he, – he just was a great red zone back. And, you know, that's exactly the – you know, that's the LeGarrette Blunt role. And if he can win that role, that's an offense where you can get two or three touchdowns in a given week. So he's my late-round running back. I just think, you know, Gillisley, the reason they benched him was because he wasn't doing that well. And – 
I just think that Hill, you know, unless they draft someone, Hill is is going to get that role and he'll do well with it. And then I mentioned the late round wide receivers, Mike Wallace in Philadelphia. I mean, 15th, 16th round. Yes, please. Corey Coleman. I mean, people are giving up on this guy. He's got speed to burn. It's a perfect late round seventh, you know, sixth, seventh wide receiver in best ball. John Brown uh, in Baltimore, another guy. Yeah, he has to stay healthy. You know, I, I can't take Albert Wilson over those guys. I just feel like Wilson, people want to say he's going to be the, the, the Landry, but Landry was the Landry. It wasn't, you know, if you look at what Gase did in his previous two spots, and I did, the the, 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 the slot guy didn't catch a ton of passes. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say that that's just going to transfer because he's there. Um, and if you want to go even a little deeper, Geronimo Allison could be a guy. And, uh, the, you know, there's a few others, uh, Curtis Samuel. So that, that's it for me on the, the late round guys. Um, I don't think there's anything else that we need to uh, discuss. Dan, last thought? Oh, just one more last thought on a uh, late-round guy that we didn't mention and we probably should have is Spencer Ware. I mean, we we're talking about oh, Kareem yeah. Hunt. And, Big time. You know. <laughs> so and if, he's making if, if you have any now. qualms at all about uh, Hunt, you got to take Ware. I have a ton of Ware. Um, go ahead, Mike. My last guy is someone who I just started taking this week. I think I've picked him up five or six times, is Mike Williams of the Chargers. Um, I, I think Good he could one. easily become two in high-passing offense. And he's frequently in the 16th and 17th. Um, and I think for him, there's nothing but upside. And unlike an Albert Wilson, he projects as someone who can be a, a bigger player guy, a TD guy. Um, you know, he really projects to have that Tyrell Williams season that we saw from, you know, two years ago. Um, so the, the risk reward there is, is, is fantastic. Well, once again, we headed towards an hour rather than 45 minutes, but it's such good stuff. I mean, we, we, we at least great. we're predictable, right? We <laughs> are predictable. And, you know, we're not big enough of a pod yet to really be too upset about it. I want to thank my guests, Dan Williamson, whom you can find at Overhyped Sleeper, and that's S-L-E-E-P-R, Mike Oliva, Mike C. Oliva. Obviously, they know their stuff. Give them a follow. If you could do me the kindness, if you haven't already, of going on iTunes and rating and reviewing and subscribing, um, I really would appreciate it. And that way more people will naturally find the podcast. I want to thank all of you, my fans, uh, all three of you. And next week we're going to do an exciting episode where we take people who play MFL 10s who have never been on a podcast before we're going to have three, maybe four people on, and that should be an awful lot of fun. I love giving people their first opportunity uh, because when I was the guy wanting the last opportunity, uh, I was so grateful. So that should be a lot of fun. Check us out next week. Uh, I'm Todd from PA. That's Todd with one D. You can find me on Twitter there. Say hello. Thank you for your time, everyone. Good night, and we'll see you next week.